This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, Podcast. The Rock acknowledges his cousin, Roman Reigns. Soraya on her current health status and her choice to join AEW instead of going back to WWE. The Heartbreak Kid on NXT 2.0. And Renee Paquette is All Elite. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, recovering from a nasty-ass cold I got this week. My kid brought it home from school. I'm just snotting and slobbering all over the place. Nasty as all hell, but I'm recovering now. I'm feeling declogged, decongested. My throat's a little rough still, so we're going to try to make it through this episode. Just bear with me as I try to power through it. I don't know how many more times I should be doing that. I had some pizza for dinner today. I tried the uh, the Fanceroni Pepperoni from Little Caesars. It's actually pretty dope. And to be honest with you, as a huge pepperoni fan... It might be a little bit too much pepperoni. I think I might have actually found my limit of what is too much pepperoni. Uh, Regardless, it was delicious. Little Caesars gets a bad rap as being kind of garbage pizza. Um, But you got to, the trick is you got to get it fresh. You don't want their hot and ready because it's hot because it's sitting in the little heater thing. It's not hot because it just came out of the oven. You order something fresh. Uh, even with maybe extra cheese or something, you're going to be just fine. It's going to be delicious. It's one of the better pizzas out there when it's fresh. When it's not, it's cardboard. It's garbage. So you got to find that fine line and get in there when the getting's good. But with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and take a look at some of these clips we got from the world of pro wrestling podcasts and interviews this week before we do if i could bug it a quick please like follow and subscribe at seth grimes media on tiktok facebook and twitter that would help me out greatly and if you are watching on youtube throw me a subscribe down below and throw me a like if you like the video and if you're not if you're listening to the podcast hop on over and check out some of our youtube content you're gonna love it i promise Good old Dwayne. Dwayne The Rock Johnson was doing the media rounds this week, promoting his upcoming movie Black Adam, which I think might actually be out by the time you're listening to this. It's getting pretty good reviews, as a matter of fact. I I really liked the trailer. Um, I did do a reaction uh, to that trailer, as a matter of fact. So if you're into reaction videos or anything like that, you can check that out on my channel here as well. Uh, But, I I mean, the movie looks pretty good. I'm pretty stoked to see Black Adam, as a matter of fact. And uh, it's about time DC has come out with something worthy of watching in the superhero genre. And it took Dwayne The Rock Johnson to do it. 
Dwayne was making the media rounds, doing the promotion, and he found himself being interviewed by our man Chris Van Vliet this week. And Chris Van Vliet, of course, being our wrestling guy and The Rock being our wrestler, uh, Chris Van Vliet asked him if he watches the current product and what he thinks about, nay, does he acknowledge his tribal chief, Roman Reigns? Check out this clip. I mentioned wrestling. You're yeah. keeping up with what's going on in WWE? I love wrestling, always. Yeah, absolutely. You want to chat wrestling? Do you want to? Let's do it. Do you acknowledge the tribal chief? <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's my family. Yeah. 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 yeah he, he says he's at the head of the table, but <clears throat> yeah, look, I, like I, you. I think those guys are, I think they're doing a great job. Um, and I think what an interesting shift that the company has gone through uh, this year, unexpected in many ways. Uh, but when unexpectations happen in that kind of way, in form and fashion, especially in that business, um, you got to have the ability and the agility to pivot, yeah. uh, which they have. So yeah. with Roman, I think he's doing a pretty good job. And the boys too, the Usos too as well. Yeah. Man, if we don't get The Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, what the fuck are we even doing with our lives at this point? It's in Hollywood. They've known about it for years now at this point, so they easily could have scheduled this around The Rock's schedule, or The Rock could have scheduled his schedule around WrestleMania sometime in the last two years. They knew that this is where they were going, and the, they, they got Roman holding on to the title for fucking two years strong, uh, if not longer, right? At least two years strong. It's everything is built perfect to go directly into WrestleMania, The Rock versus Roman. Who is the head of the table? Who is the tribal chief of the bloodline? And where were the where will the loyalties fall? Will the Usos side with Roman Reigns, or will they be torn and maybe want to go see what The Rock's up to and join his side? What about Sokoa? He could jump in the mix with The Rock, too. Who knows? Sami Zayn could get involved and take the side of The Rock against the bloodline. Uh, it'll be an interesting storyline. I, I really, truly hope that this is where they're going with this. Because, honestly, if they're not, what the fuck are they doing for real? They've had all the time in the world to do it. And I get, look, Rock's a busy guy. He's busy as fuck. He's booked to do a majillion movies. I get it. They've had two years now where they've known at least two years that they were going to do this WrestleMania in Hollywood, and they knew that Roman Reigns, maybe they knew at that time, but they certainly, you know, Roman Reigns was their anointed guy even far before then. So it was in the cards for this to happen. Now, if it doesn't happen, you know, like I'm not going to cry because I, I get it. The Rock's a busy dude, but if they can pull this match off, this will be one of the biggest matches in WrestleMania history. And it's not just because it's The Rock. Roman Reigns has built a huge run building up to what is basically this moment. Not just this moment, but when he actually loses the title as well. Because Roman Reigns is not going to drop the world title to The Rock. The Rock is going to do the honors at WrestleMania to Roman Reigns. So if that's where all roads are leading, Roman's been undefeated for two years. I know a lot of people are also speculating that 
Cody Rhodes could be the guy that uh, Roman drops the belt to and that that should happen at WrestleMania too. We see uh, Cody Rhodes uh, winning the Royal Rumble. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, they've already said that he's ahead of schedule on his rehab and that he is expected to be back in time for the WrestleMania season. Of course, they're going to have Cody Rhodes come back, win the Royal Rumble, go on to WrestleMania. At that point, what do you do? If you haven't already split the titles, that would be the best thing to do because then, but even then, I want Cody Rhodes to beat Roman Reigns. You know what I mean? I want him to beat the guy, you know, because whoever at what I was getting at with this whole two year thing is that whoever beats Roman Reigns is going to get fucking, they're going to earn it. It's like, not anywhere near to the extent of, but like when The Undertaker, you know, he was undefeated at WrestleMania for a bajillion years. His loss was so shocking. Roman's obviously not going to be to that extent, but when he drops the belt clean, one, two, three in the ring, shoulders pinned to the mat, whoever takes the strap off of him and does that is going to be a made fucking man for years to come and it should be cody rhodes it shouldn't be the rock but that begs the question then because what do you do at wrestlemania you do the rock first roman reigns who does cody face to get the title shot at wrestlemania lots of things up in the air i'm excited to see what happens with it i'm excited to see the rock come back he will absolutely pop a rating for sure that's a no-brainer um, but he's also going to probably, like I said, I feel like if he does face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, it will be one of the biggest WrestleMania main events of all time. The Rock will be a huge draw. It'll be in Hollywood. So the whole city is going to be talking about it. And I expect lots of huge marketing, a huge marketing campaign for this WrestleMania. You know, WrestleMania Goes Hollywood was one of the best marketing campaigns they had done in years. One of their best WrestleMania campaigns of all time, honestly. Do you remember that? WrestleMania 21, WrestleMania Goes Hollywood. All the wrestlers were, like, acting out famous movie scenes and stuff like that. It was so fucking cool. That was one of my favorite WrestleManias. Go back and watch WrestleMania 21. WrestleMania Goes Hollywood, if you haven't seen it. This year, WrestleMania Goes Hollywood will be huge, and it will be even huger if we can get it with The Rock. With Soraya being one of the latest WWE stars to jump ship over to AEW, it was only a matter of time before we got the obligatory Former WWE superstar on the Chris Jericho podcast. That's right. We had Soraya on Talk is Jericho this week. And honestly, this was one of the best Soraya interviews that I've heard in quite a long time. Uh, matter of fact, you know, she had just done a couple with Renee. I think she did Renee's podcast like twice within the last year or so. And those were like the last couple of interviews that I had heard with her. And, you know, it was, I don't know. They weren't that great. But it was kind of just too chick because they're friends, you know. So they're just being friends and bantering back and forth. They didn't really do the tough interview. This was a pretty good interview with Soraya because we got a lot of good information out of her. 
Um, she talked about all kinds of different things, but it was in these two particular clips right here that I want to recommend here. The first clip, she clears up her health situation. What is the status of Soraya's health? I think we've already heard at this point that it's been made public that she's cleared. Uh, I think AEW put the announcement out this week, actually. They did a press release that Soraya has been cleared to wrestle by AEW's doctors, which is interesting in itself, but how did that come about? Take a look at this clip. If, if need be, so I'm like, I'm just getting used to it. It's like a whole different dynamic. I'm just like, oh man, this is a... Uh, how is your neck at this point? It's good, yeah, yeah. I feel really healthy and my neck feels fantastic and... I would definitely want to take it slower this time around. You know, if there was uh, any physicality and stuff like that, I just want to really take care of my body because as much as I want to rush into doing all these different matches, I know what happened the last time. Right. So I just want to take it as slow as possible. Is it just time that, that, that healed it or were you doing different therapies or exercising? Just, yeah, just time and stuff mm. like that because even if you do the exercises and whatever, it's not going to mend like the, the fluid that's around the disc yeah the, yeah, is yeah, a yeah. Herniated disc or whatever. yeah 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 so i yeah i have the six screws and then the one thing that happened was just there was just no fluid on where my spinal cord was mm -hmm. but over time like that comes back like, right slow right, <laughs> you know right, what i mean right, right. so and then um after a while too it was all mental for me as well i'm like well do i because now i'm scared like what mm -hmm. do i do you know what i mean so getting over that hump and i still have that mental block a little bit but I feel like if I'm in the ring with the right person, then I'm going to feel way more comfortable. And it reminds me of when I did the match with AJ Lee at SummerSlam. She couldn't take a bump that much either. So we oh. did the whole match with her not taking a bump. So I'm like, I want to be that careful. <laughs> you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I will take a bump, but I'm not trying to be a bump, like, bump monkey like I used to be, mm -hmm. you know? I don't know about you, but that sounds really shaky, to be honest. Just, oh, you know, yeah, just time. Just time heals all. You know, I didn't have any spinal fluid around that spot, but now I do, I guess, again, because it comes back over time. I don't know. WWE doctors weren't clearing her, so how does AEW's doctors get her cleared? How does that happen? How are AEW's doctors getting guys like Christian Cage cleared to return? Right? I don't. I believe Brian Danielson was cleared before he jumped ship to AEW by uh, WWE's doctors. But I don't think Christian was, was he? He might have been. He was in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, he was in the Royal Rumble. Never mind. Um, but still, how does Soraya's... <laughs> just bear with me. I'm figuring this shit out of my head as I go. Um, but how does Soraya get cleared by AEW's doctors, but not WWE's? And that, that just sounds a little shady. And she's going to be very careful with herself. She's going to watch her bumps and that sort of thing. Um, so I wouldn't expect to see the best matches in the world either. Though you don't need to be bumping all over the place like a madman to put on a good match. You know, and it would I would even argue it's the sign of a better worker to not take any bumps. And still have a good entertaining match. But um, it does lead me to wonder exactly how healthy she is. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy sitting in his basement yelling at a microphone. But still, sounds a little weird, does it not? Then in this clip here, she talks about how she came to the decision to work for AEW instead of the WWE because apparently WWE had an offer on the table, but she chose AEW. 
probably because they were going to let her work and clear her when WWE wasn't. But uh, here's what she had to say about that. Check out this clip. And it's interesting because I know that we were like, who's still out there that can really make, you know, a, a bang? Yeah. And there's not a lot because guys are signed, girls are signed. And I was like, Fuck, Soraya, man, uh, you got to talk to her. So we were th- trying for a while to, to connect with Tony and you and everything like this. Were you ever getting close to maybe going back to WWE? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, like I just, I, I was, I was thinking about going back there. And then I spoke to you. I spoke to Marks. So I was speaking to Britt and then got on the phone with Tony and he was so excited. And I was just like, you know what? Like, yeah, I think I'm going to give this, give this a shot. You know, like this seems. What's well, like- so funny because I know that, that, that you know, Tony has so much going on. And I was like, you got to call. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to call him and call her. Yeah. And then Mox goes, we got to get Soraya. I said, well, I've been working. He goes, I think she's going back to WWE. I overheard a conversation or whatever. Yeah, and me I was and like, Renee. that's yeah. when I, I, I called Tony. I said, dude, if you are thinking of, yeah, I'm thinking, dude, you got to call her like yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. And that's when I called you. I remember I was going to the airport just to make sure like, hey. Yeah, I was like, he called me just now, actually. Yeah, I was like, thank goodness, because I was like, we're going to lose her, you know? Yeah, I, I, you, you guys probably would if you wouldn't have pushed it, because it, I understand Tony's busy. Like he has two different football teams, like British and American, but then also this big company that he has yeah. to run. So I understand he's busy. Trust me, I get it. But it was just like a few months had gone by and yeah. I was just like, all right, well, I feel like he's not really interested. Yeah. That's okay. Like, that's totally fine. And so, like, you know, I was getting the calls for WWE and I was just like, oh, man, should I? Like, am I going to be 100% happy going back, you know? And and then, again, you guys called me and I was just like, oh, you make it sound so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that Jericho and Mox were the ones that were pushing so hard to get her into AEW, but she couldn't even barely get Tony Khan on the phone. Jericho had to basically yell at fucking Tony Khan like, dude, we're going to lose her if you do not give her a call like to now. And Paige even or Soraya even said that she was starting to get the impression that Tony just wasn't that interested. Uh, This is a more interesting story because I'm going to talk about in another clip here with Renee Young. This is becoming, or Renee Paquette, this is kind of becoming a thing now. Tony Khan doesn't even have the time to talk to Soraya. Are you fucking kidding me? I get that he might not have the time to talk to fucking jobber indie goon. You know what I mean? Like if Kylan King is trying to get a hold of Tony Khan, I can see where he's he can't fit her into his busy schedule. You fit Soraya into your busy fucking schedule. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And that she she barely even knows what her direction is going into this. And again, this is something that we're going to talk about in the Renee clip. But if you're not listening to the Renee clip and you're just listening to this clip here by itself, he said this Renee said the same thing. She barely had any contact with Tony Khan. I'll dive into that more on that clip, but this is a problem. We've heard it from Jonathan Gresham when he quit Ring of Honor. Uh, This is other people have said the same thing that Tony Khan does not communicate with them. This is a problem, especially with bigger stars like a Soraya. There is zero reason why Tony Khan cannot fit it in his schedule to give fucking Paige a call, right? Do you care at all? Do you give a shit one bit? 
John Moxley and Chris Jericho were the ones that were pushing this whole thing, trying to get this thing taken care of. They were the ones that wanted to get her in AEW. They were the ones that were pushing Tony Khan to make the move. They were the ones pushing Soraya to choose AEW over WWE. And now that she's here, he barely has time for her. She even said she wishes that there was more produ- that she was produced more. She went out there blind because she's not used to having no writers. A lot. This is great for some people who are creative geniuses, like a Chris Jericho. He's so creative. He can just sit and come up with all of his own shit. And Tony Khan can say, yeah, I like that, or let's add this, or do this different, or blah, 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 blah. But what about all these guys sitting in the back on their ass on catering with their fucking thumb up their ass that don't know how to do any, like, like that's why, like, a guy like Wardlow is floundering, because you can, as much as I love Wardlow, you can tell by his interviews that he's kind of a box of rocks, you know what I mean? He's a muscle dummy. No offense, I love Wardlow, love me some Wardlow, but could it be that he's just being used like shit right now because he's just not coming up with anything for himself and nobody else is bothering to come up with anything for him? That's a problem. AEW has some giant problems. You have Paige doing a podcast now, Soraya doing a podcast now, saying that she got the feeling that her new boss wasn't that interested that she almost signed back with WWE when Triple H called her. Triple H called her and reached out and asked her to come back and tried to mend fences from her being let go by... She said he didn't even know that she was let go. He thought she quit. You know how bad that... So Triple H is like, bro, I'm sorry. Let me... What can we do to get you back into the fold over here? And then you got AEW on the other side who can't even be bothered to call her. And it's guys like Jericho and Moxley that are saying, no, 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 you're going to love it here. I promise you need to sign over here. We'll get Tony to call you. We'll get Tony to call you. Hold on. Don't sign with them. We will get Tony to call you. It shouldn't be like that. Tony should be eager to speak with Soraya. This is a problem because he did the same thing with Renee Paquette. And we'll talk about that in a minute here. But she wants to be more produced. She's not used to not having a writer. She's I'm sure she'll come up with shit at some point. But it's not all it's cracked up to be to just let the inmates run the asylum. As, as much as that sounds fun, if you're not a creative person, you're fucked. You're fucked. And Tony's too busy to even think about you, let alone talk to you, let alone come up with storylines for you. You got to come up with your own shit and pitch it to him. That's why he needs a writing crew on staff. He doesn't need a gazillion writers, and they don't need to be writing word-for-word scripted promos. But they need guys to just hang out in the back, creative-minded people, even if they're former wrestlers and not writers, that can just be like, yo, bro, you need help? With your storyline, you need want some ideas pitched. You need that shit. AEW's in big trouble. This is a problem. Mark my words. This is a problem. And though it's they're able to get by now, this is gonna come back to bite them in the ass more than anything. I hate juggalos. I fucking hate them. 
I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld. Renee Paquette, formerly Renee Young, is all elite. They made the announcement this week as they did their show in Toronto, Canada. AEW debut for Renee Paquette. I fucking love Renee. I love Renee. I think she's a national treasure. I think she's a goddamn peach. I think she's a wonderful person, a wonderful personality. She's a huge get for AEW and a huge loss for the WWE, quite frankly. And it was in this particular podcast on these sessions where Renee took the entire show to chat with her producer, Emilio, about her decision to join AEW. And she did have an offer on the table from WWE that she turned down in order to go to AEW. Of course, her husband just signed a five-year contract as well. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it too. But check out this clip from Renee's podcast, Sessions, and hear her thoughts on why she joined AEW. So how did the conversation like get broached? Did Tony come up to you one day and was like, hey, this is what we're thinking. Would you like to do this like how did that how did that convo start so it's kind of funny because as much as i had been around a lot i really never talked to tony about coming into aew and um a lot of it was this sound this is probably going to sound bad and i'm sure people are going to take this out of context but honestly a lot of it was talking to john of being like, man, like I want to get back into, I want to be back in the wrestling world. I miss being around it. I miss doing stuff. And, you know, as he's like thinking about like what the shows look like and his role on the shows and all that, like most of our conversations were internally between John and I um, about figuring out like, yeah, I want to do something. I want to come back. I don't know what that conversation is. How do like, how are we going to go about about that kind of thing um and him and tony are obviously very close um they spend tons of time talking about things so i think it was more so like them talking about it because i don't know if it was like i think a lot of people just thought that i was sort of like done with wrestling to a degree and maybe they didn't want to like ask me to do something that thought that i didn't want to do or they didn't want to step on John's toes or any of those things. Like it could have been, and those are all very real things that, that could have been. Um, 
Well, you know, again, just to circle back, because you said initially the conversations were with John, and then John and Tony probably had a discussion about it, and then Tony probably had a discussion with you about it. It all happened really fast. Like, it it literally happened so fast, where, like, all of a sudden, like, John and I have been talking about it, and then, like, yeah, it felt like the next day my manager is calling me being like, oh yeah, they're reaching out where I'm getting the you know, contracts coming through. Da, da, da. I was like, wow, that was like a real quick turnaround. Holy shit. Yeah. So, so did you initially, what did he say with you? Like, did he like, what was his like words of assurance? What was like, not even the creative rollout. Um, but what did he, what did he tell you? Was there any like concerns or fears on your part to go from one company to the next company? Like what, what was that? Did you have any trepidation? Like how, how was he talking to you like during the process? Because interviewing him and just speaking to him in passing is a completely different beast as to now he's going to be your employer. So like, how did, how did that conversation go? So I've actually, it's funny because during all of this, I've not even talked to Tony all that much about it just because there's not really been much that we need to talk about until now I'm there. You know, I think it's like the lead up to is kind of like, cool, come in. He knows my skill set. He knows what I'm bringing to the table. So I think it's more of a, let's get you in here. Let's just start working and, um, I think we'll be like, figure it out as we go. So she joined AEW because she felt like she had done everything that she could possibly do in WWE. And, uh, you know, to be quite frank, she had a bad experience last time she was there. She left with a little bit of a sour taste in her mouth. She was getting screamed at by Vince McMahon. And she knew right then that was when she was done with WWE. Now Vince isn't there, but she still chose to pick AEW. I'm sure most of that has to do with her husband. Her husband's happy there. Renee's got a spot there now. They can just be a happy, employed husband and wife. Um, But there's a bigger problem here because Renee brought up something just casually talking about the whole thing that jumped out to me and this jumped out in the Soraya interview with Chris Jericho this week as well, um, which I did review earlier in the show if you're watching or listening to the full podcast. If you're just checking out clips, you can hop on over and check out the clip of Soraya on Talk is Jericho as well. Um, But it's kind of the same thing here. Uh, Renee said that she really didn't talk much with Tony Khan about it. That communication was mostly through Mox in that she was brought in basically with no game plan at all. She was just brought in just knowing that you're an asset, you're a talent, we'd love to have you here, and we'll just figure it out as we go. I don't know, fucking go introduce the show with a microphone and... I don't know, do a backstage interview or something. What do do you want to do? I don't know. We just want Renee on the roster. And though I don't blame you, Renee is a very valuable person to have on your roster. And I would go out of my way to land Renee Paquette as well. Uh, Just hiring her with zero plan for what you're even going to do with her. She has no clue. She doesn't know if she's going to be a backstage interviewer. She doesn't know if she's going to be a host. I mean, I think she has kind of an idea, but this was never like a big... She never had the big sit down with Tony Khan, the big game plan of this is what I have in mind for you. This is where I see you. This is how I'd like to use you. She's barely even talked to the guy, if at all. She got a fucking contract like immediately. 
basically like she she basically just had to think about it and was like oh yeah here you go you know because because of mox i'm sure tony has a lot of respect and a lot of value for mox so he can probably pretty much get anybody a job there that he wants to you know he had a huge hand in getting saraya a job there and of course renee and in the fact that tony didn't really take the time to sit down and have that conversation with renee or saraya is just a really bad sign we all have this feeling that he's over, you know, he's overstressed. He's got too much on his plate with his football and his other football, the real football over in England or the real football in America, however you want to look at it. And then you got fucking the, the AEW and his stats business and everything else that Tony's doing. He's being torn in a million directions. He doesn't even have time to call a fucking Renee Paquette or a Soraya on the phone to say, hey, I would love to have you in our company. I value you greatly. Here's what I see in you. Here's what I see for you. Here's what I'd like to do with you. What would you like to do? How can we get this thing going? No, it's got to go through fucking Jericho and Moxley. And why? Why? This is a bad sign. He doesn't even, he's not even running his fucking company, dude. He's hiring everybody that he can get. And then he's, once you're there, you're on your own. Okay, you're here. Glad you're here. He even told Soraya she doesn't need to show up for work if she doesn't want to. <laughs> he met, She mentioned that in her interview with Jericho. I know we're talking about Renee's right now. But it's the same thing. I'm on the same rant here between the two of them. Um, because I, I think Tony Khan's running a really shitty business right now, a really shitty business. And, and the fact that you don't have the time to spend with a talent like Renee Young or a Soraya, you're fucking insane. You're, you're, you're squandering your talent at this point. I can't believe either one of them turned down a WWE deal to come to AEW at this point. Look. I was one of the biggest AEW marks you will find. You know, I've talked about that on this show before. I was sick of Vince McMahon's WWE. I barely watched. I was down to pay-per-views only. And then even at that point, I was skipping some pay-per-views even too. Um, and then AEW came along and I was just like, boom, that's my shit. I'm in. And I gave them the leeway. Yes, they're rough around the edges. Yes, they need to fix this. They need to fix that. But they're new. They're an upstart. They're hungry. They're feisty. They're in the game. And then they bring in my favorite of all time, CM Punk. And now just the CM Punk mess. And they're in continually horribly booking everybody. And, and just these things that keep coming out about the company backstage and everything. And now we're hearing that Tony Khan is not even taking the time to talk to these new hires. And you've heard it before from like a Jonathan Gresham. And, and you know, when you hear that in a vacuum, you hear Jonathan Gresham say it or Jack Evans say it or Marco Stunt. You're like, yeah. It's Marco Stunt and Jonathan Gresham. Why would I take the time? Why, why would Tony Khan have fucking two minutes for either one of those guys? Talk to fucking Christopher Daniels. Quit bothering me. You know what I mean? Like, But Soraya is a star. Renee Paquette is a megastar. Both of them are megastars. You handle them differently. 
You handle them with class. You never want to give them the impression that they don't even know what they're going to be doing when they get there or that you're really not even that interested and your friends had to push for you to get in. Ugh. Eh. It's a mess. It's a mess over there. So, look, in conclusion, like, I am super happy Renee Paquette is in AEW. I love Renee. I think she's a quality human being. I love her podcast. I think everything she does is great, except for maybe commentary. But she's a fucking wonderful talent and a huge get for AEW. It just worries me that I don't think they have a fucking clue what they even want to do with her. She's just going to be walking around like, should I, do you want me to interview this person or something? Like, now she's stepping on Tony Schiavone's toes because she's doing what Tony Schiavone was doing. And now they're just splitting up the work. And it's like, in, in you had fucking, uh, wasn't Dasha in WWE or AEW for a little bit? I don't know if she left or if she's still there. And then you got fucking DDP's daughter is there too. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a big mess. And the more that comes out about it, the more I'm highly concerned. And the more I'm losing faith. I really am. The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, did a rare interview this week on the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani. Heartbreak Kid was live from NXT doing the interview, talking about the Montreal screw job, of course. Ariel said he was actually there in the building for that show and was a diehard Brett the Hitman Heart fan, so that was certainly awkward. Sean talked about his relationship with Brett now and then and a difference between how he was back then and how he is now. His relationship with Triple H and the rest of the clique. Lots of good tidbits in this interview. Certainly not anything like that horrid interview he did with Tony Khan last week. Uh, but it was in this particular clip right here that the Heartbreak Kid was asked what he thought of the rebranding of NXT, the whole 2.0 debacle. And I'm not talking about Matt Menard and fucking Angelo Parker. Check out this clip. I didn't like in the past year what had become of NXT. I, I, felt, I didn't like the rebrand. I didn't like the new logo. Even things like that I didn't like. And I, and I felt like it had changed dramatically from what it was. Could I ask what you thought of the past year and all the changes as you were seeing them all. And he was less in charge. He was dealing with his health. Of course, most importantly, how did you feel about all the changes of the past year? Well, look, there, you know, nothing sucks more than, <laughs> than to have to, to follow in those footsteps and then have all these abrupt changes that you have to then take over. Now, I will say this, and this is from you know, at my knowledge at the time. Like, for instance, the logo where that came at the last minute, and even from Hunter's standpoint, to the best of my understanding, it was, this is what it is. And I think that's maybe something that a lot of people, and, and, and I saw you know the interview that you did with Hunter, where he said, look, I know there are a lot of things that people thought that he wouldn't have done or decisions he didn't make, but they actually were. So th there were some things uh, that were, you know, that he did know about. But then there were others, especially as it started going and he wasn't there, that were very different and very difficult, uh, you know, to sort of deal with. And again, me having, you know, stepping in from the outside, really, you can be here in Orlando, 
but not have any idea what's going on sort of, you know, from a, com- you know, a corporate standpoint in Stanford. And that's where, that's where it was really difficult for me. You know, I stepped in and no longer was really answering to Hunter. I was answering to other people. And quite honestly, I wasn't really sure who that was because it was different people at different times. So it was very challenging. But look, I will say the one thing that in this company that you have to make sure you adjust to is change. Things can change overnight. Um, but it was my understanding that Hunter did want to get back to the developmental. Um, now, I don't think we would have done it as drastically. For instance, starting out on the first shows with 75% new people, uh, we wouldn't have put anybody out there before we were ready. Um, so there were some things that were sort of insistent upon that we couldn't control, that I certainly couldn't control. Um, and Hunter, because he wasn't here, you know, had no say, say in the matter. So look, make no mistake about it. It was challenging and it wasn't fun, um, you know, having to be that guy to try to balance both sides. Uh, you know what I mean? You know, putting on a, a, a two-hour live wrestling event with people that had never done it before it, it is not easy. I still find this so hard to believe that if Triple H had never left NXT, that this was still the plan, that NXT 2.0, NXT fucking Nickelodeon splatter, slime fucking drip, right? I highly, highly doubt that this was in the plans all along. I think that they're just saving face because they don't want to admit that Triple H had NXT taken away from him because they lost in the ratings to AEW. I know they hate to admit that. I know Triple H brushes it off as, oh, they beat our developmental. But that's not true. They had Samoa Joe. They had Adam Cole, baby. They had fucking everybody and their mom was in uh, NXT at that time. They were a full-fledged third-brand indie promotion. And I just can't imagine that they decided to throw all that away, selling out takeovers, all that stuff. We're just going to piss all that away to focus back on fucking greenhorn newbie talent that doesn't know their fucking uh, wrist, ro- wrist lock from a fucking wristwatch. Easy for me to say, right? And uh, just the whole pl- paint splatter and all that shit. It's ridiculous. Why would you make that transition? It's much more believable that Vince McMahon finally put eyes on NXT and said, what the fuck is going on down there? You guys can't even beat this AEW crap? Probably didn't even know AEW's name. Just can't beat this. You know what I mean? As soon as he got eyes on NXT, as soon as they became a problem and it became something that he had to worry about, because up until then he just trusted Triple H to just do the do the work, right? He just here, this is yours. You run it however you want. All hands off. And we'll just, we'll, you know, we'll get tapes sent up to us and we'll pluck talent as we need them. If we like them, we'll grab them, right? That's what the arrangement was. I guarantee you that Vince McMahon was not watching NXT on any regular basis, if at all. That all he was watching was highlights of guys that like a Bruce Pritchard wanted to put on his radar, or that maybe Triple H was sending, a, you know, here, take a look at this guy. He's doing really good. You know what I mean? <clears throat> There's no way that Vince McMahon was following that regular product. And it wasn't until 
that the ratings started to get squashed, that AEW was beating them every week, that made Vince McMahon have to pay attention to what's going on down there. That's when we heard the rumors that Bruce and Vince and was it Laurinaitis maybe too and whoever else were going down to NXT and that they were going to be spending a couple days there or a day there or something like that and they were just going to be watching the talent, watching the show, watching what goes on there and everything changed after that. Then Triple H got sick. Then Triple H was removed from office. This was going to come down as soon as Vince McMahon went to NXT and saw what was happening there. Jim Cornette talks about this. He nailed it dead on. Vince McMahon saw your Johnny Garganos and Tommaso Champas and was like, what the fuck is this shit? Bunch of little guys doing flippy floppies and stuff. Not that Tommaso is a flippy floppy guy or anything, but you get my point. They're not Vince McMahon's type of people is what I'm saying here. So... He just scrapped everything and built it in his image, rebuilt it in his image. And then once he was out of the way, Shawn Michaels was in control of it, but he was taking orders from other people still. You know, he didn't have the full creative reins. He was the head of it, but he was taking orders from up top and he didn't even know who he was answering to half the time. He said it was different people. I'm sure Bruce Pritchard was passing stuff down. I'm sure Laurenitis, while he was still employed, had a say in stuff. And this was just how things were going to go. And you can't, you, you'll never convince me differently because even now, Triple H taking back over, NXT has reverted back to the black and gold. Now, they still kept the font, I guess. And it's going to looks like it's probably going to be like a hybrid, right? It's going to have a lot of the developmental talent still. Um, but Shawn Michaels even said in this interview, like, Hey, I'm going to be on the lookout. Like we'd be stupid to not bring people in, you know, the hottest guys off the indie scenes to bring them in. And even if it's just for a cup of coffee, just to get their feet wet and see what the WWE system is like, then go up to WWE's main roster. That's exactly what it was for guys like Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. Well, Samoa was actually hired to be a full-time NXT guy, but you know, he got promoted right up to the main roster anyway. So a lot of these guys, you know, the big stars, Nakamura, these guys were just brought in to just get acclimated to Kevin Steen. All these guys were brought in just to feel out the WWE system through NXT. That's why they were in NXT, and they're going to go back to that. And it, they'll be, it'll be a hybrid because they're going to have their developmental guys and stuff. But the fact that... You know, before AEW came along, it was all Triple H. After AEW squashed him in the ratings, Vince went down there, and that was a public visit, very public visit. And then after that, everything was rebranded and changed. And then after that, Triple H was removed from that position. And then once Triple H took back power, he put the colors back on, the black and gold. And now they're open to signing top name indie talents again. You can't fucking tell me any different. Tell me I'm lying. Great interview by HBK, though. Ariel Hawani continues to knock him out of the park. 
other than that Tony Khan interview, which, by the way, I feel like I was one of the first people on that one. I jumped on that right away, had that news clip out, and it was only like a day or two later after I had my clip posted that I started seeing, like, uh, Ariel Hawani had come out and said that it was a frustrating interview, and then that started to make news headlines. You know, he said it was a very frustrating interview with Tony Khan, yeah, you could see that a mile away, but Ariel's good. He's good at what he does, and this was a good interview with Shawn Michaels. And I am excited to see where NXT can go from here now that it's not uh, Bruce Pritchard's NXT. Not Sam Wrestling had an exclusive interview with MJF this week. And this was a really fun interview. Any interview with MJF is really fun. It always is. Um, but Sam Roberts has a particular chemistry with MJF. Sam Roberts has just got great chemistry with people in general in the wrestling business. He gets it. He's a showman. He's a performer himself. So he understands. He spent a lot of time in radio working with giant celebrities, interviewing giant celebrities. So he gets it. He gets the shtick. And he sat down with MJF and had a good conversation. And this was fun because MJF seemed really relaxed. And that's kind of why I bring up the chemistry with this. This seemed to be a more laid back MJF than usual. I even saw him smile and kind of smile smirk a few times you know like he almost maybe almost broke character it was just having a good time kicking back with sam and uh you know he was even challenging sam ask me some tough questions ask me questions that nobody else has asked me yet and i will give you an exclusive direct honest answer and sam came up with this question here check out this clip so almost. let me ask you this go ahead Give me a hard-hitting question that no journalist has asked MJF yet, please. That no journalist has asked MJF. Uh, uh, what was the deal with that uh, autograph signing that you no-showed? There did we you, go. This you, is new. Yeah, okay. All right, good. This is good. fantastic. Because they're afraid. A story I can tell. A new story oh, I can tell. You. Oh, thank God. This so is you, great. That comes out that you're supposed so, to be at an autograph signing, and yes. then the internet's talking about plane yes. tickets, yes. and it's a... Why didn't you go to your autograph yes. signing? Fans showed up. Security didn't know why. So, uh, my company lost $10,000 that day. And I say my company because right now they are employing me for the time being. I did not go because my boss at the time mm -hmm. was being a fucking mark. Okay. Okay? So, if if you don't want to pay me what I'm worth, daddy does not show up to work. It's that simple. Daddy got the money. Daddy's back. Now me and Tony Khan are best friends. Tony Khan, great guy. Great guy. When I stayed in said hotel room, they did a wellness check on me. And the AEW security, this is a very true story, tried to break my door down. Now, at the time, I had already left. This is... You're... I can tell you're you're laughing, but I'm loving it. But it's real. So they 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 did the check. His name's Sam. He's a part of what was Atlas Security, I believe. They are dubbed with a different name now. But yeah, he he literally went to kick my door down for on a wellness check. Wow, I know you're not a, like a big drug guy, are you? No, right. but I think that was everybody's fear, right? Is this is this MJF's you know 
Brian Pillman moment. Yeah, that's funny that MJF, he was pretty upfront and honest about that. He didn't pull the whole Tony Khan, oh, I'm not, I don't really want to talk about that, or I can't talk about that, or I'm not going to talk about that. MJF will talk about it, and he basically just said, yeah, I wasn't getting paid enough money, so I told my boss to go fuck himself. Now, that might not be exactly the case, because I do believe MJF would be in breach of contract for not showing up to this uh, autograph signing. Would he not be? Especially if there were pre-sales already, that sort of thing. And it was just funny hearing him say, like, yeah, get over it. I don't care about your feelings <laughs> to the people that wanted that or sad that MJF didn't show up that day. My God, MJF is a fucking, he's a, just a peach, isn't he? Just an absolute gem. Salt of the earth, if you will. If, if I could be so bold as to say. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised Tony didn't try to slap him with a breach of contract. I think he, you know, was probably going to attract more flies with honey in that particular situation than with vinegar, you know. There's no real reason to just take it to that extreme with MJF. Well, I'm going to sue you then. Fuck off. <clears throat> Try to work it out. I'm sure that's what happened there. Kind of seems like Tony got cucked on that whole deal, though, doesn't it? I mean, uh, you get MJF is, is never had to sign any kind of contract extension, but he got a good bump in pay still. So you agreed to pay MJF more money without getting him for more time. That's bullshit. That's that's pretty unheard of, to be quite frank. That's, you know, contract money goes along with commitment of time. You know what I mean? Like, you don't just get more money when you want more money. You know, this was already MJF's second contract. And it was, still wasn't enough for him. And now he wants more money again for a third time now. He's going to get a new new uh, contract, but he's not going to get for any additional time. That's, that's shady shit. Now, we don't know for sure what the exacts are of that. In fact, that is something that Ariel Hawani asked Tony Khan about last week in that Tony Khan refused to answer. So he wasn't willing to go into the specifics other than that he's happy to have MJF and MJF's a great guy for the company and blah, 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 blah. Um, <clears throat> MJF seems happy as shit. Tony Khan, great guy. Great guy, right? It's funny shit. I love anytime MJF does an interview it's worth sitting through and watching the whole thing because he's in character the whole time. He never breaks character. You're never going to get a, a real uh, honest look at MJF. You're going to, he'll tell, he'll, he will look any guy, he'll look fucking Barbara Walters in the eye and tell her to go fuck herself. You know what I mean? Like MJF is in character the whole time and it's just the best thing ever. And when you get guys that play along, like an Ariel Hawani, for example, uh, he gets MJF's stick, but he doesn't necessarily play along. He just kind of like lets him do it. You know, he'll just, Ariel will play it straight, but he'll allow MJF to not play it straight. 
Brandon Walker is another good one with MJF on, on the wrestling podcast. He stays in character and he, he really has that back and forth banter with MJF. Sam Roberts, another great guy. He just gets it. He gets the show business of it. He gets WWE. He gets show business. He's an elite level interviewer. Sam Roberts is the man. He's kind of a dork and it bugs me that he's a WWE loyalist uh, over AEW. But hey, which one of them signs his paychecks, right? Nick fucking Cage, the king of this shit, and new GCW champion, was on the Busted Open podcast this week, talking with Dave LaGreca and Thunder Rosa. They were honoring Deathmatch Wrestling this week, so they had a couple different interviews lined up to talk about the art of Deathmatch Wrestling, and they had on Nick Gage. And in this particular clip here, we hear Nick Gage talk about the art of deathmatch wrestling. And then he gets into working with John Moxley and what it was like having John Moxley come in to do deathmatch wrestling uh, compared to other guys that might come in as just a one off for deathmatch wrestling. <laughs> Matt Cardona. <laughs> Uh, well, what got me into deathmatch wrestling was was watching the Cactus Jack and Terry Funk match. Um, as soon as I got in the game, I, I literally was probably 18, 19 years old, and I went to Japan wow. for two years straight, yeah, and, and learned my craft and, and learned how to wrestle deathmatch style. So when you see somebody like a John Moxley, somebody who came from mm-hmm. the world of the WWE, obviously Moxley's comes, you know, before WWE and the stuff that he did with Dragon Gate and Evolve and things like that. But when you see yeah. like a mainstream superstar step into your world, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like, all right, this this guy, I have the respect for this guy because he wants to try it? Or how do you feel about certain people that want to step into the world of deathmatch wrestling um, from the outside? Right. So we'll start with we'll start with John. I, I, I just love John because uh, he was the person when he left, when he came back, same guy. So like, you know, we were cool. We were friends and, and he was just the same guy, man. And, uh, he has a beautiful family. Um, you know, I text him all the time and we talk and, and I give love to his family. Now there's some guys who want to come into deathmatch wrestling and just do one match to try to get over, you know what I mean? Some guys just want to get over because deathmatch could be popular. Oh, I did a deathmatch and get over. I do I do feel disrespected when some guys just come in for one match. And like Matt Cardone, he comes in for one match and then he's done. You know, like that's kind of pussy shit. Yo, Nick Gage is like the sweetest guy on the planet, isn't he? What a fucking sweetheart. Just sounds like the nicest, most polite guy in the world. And it's great to hear that he's got such a good relationship with John Moxley. And just to hear how fondly he talks about Moxley. Mox talks fondly about Gage, too. It's really interesting to hear. They got a good bromance going on, it sounds like. Um, but yeah, him to talk about Mox saying that Mox is the same guy that he was back on the Indies when they started out, you know, and doing the same shows together. Mox went on to be this huge WWE superstar 
WWE Champion, The Shield, multiple WrestleManias, WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar, all these giant things that that uh, Moxley's gone on to achieve in his career, now being the basically the world champ for the better part of three years now in AEW, he is you know. Uh, I would say unequivocally their top guy through the whole history of their company. You know, to hear that he's still the same guy as he was back in the early indie days hasn't changed a bit. That's good to hear because a lot of people do change and a lot of things change. And a lot of people would forget the little guys that were in those locker rooms with them. And as far as deathmatch wrestling goes... Um, and guys like Mox coming in to do it. Well, Mox was born to be a deathmatch wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, that's his shit to begin with. Um, so that's right up his alley. But then, like, a Matt Cardona, yeah, he's doing it as a gimmick. But that popped the territory. That put GCW on the radar. And I do think deathmatch wrestling gets a bad rap because at the end of the day, it is still an art. It's It's a different kind of wrestling. It really is. You know, but wrestling is not defined by just catch as catch can. You know what I mean? It's not drop down, toe hold, leapfrog, get it again, tackle, drop down, leapfrog, fucking hip toss, arm bar, fucking wrist lock, headlock, takeover. It's not, that's not what wrestling is defined as. That's what a lot of you would like to think it is. And that's what a lot of you Cornette fans would insist that wrestling is and should only be. Um, but wrestling incorporates toys, let's face it. It's to the point where it's in the video games. You can buy action figure fucking breakaway tables and, and crutches and steel chairs. It's part of the business now at this point. And fucking Terry Funk was doing this shit long before any of these deathmatch fucks were doing it. Um, we do have Cactus Jack and Terry Funk to thank for Nick Gage. As far as many other people as well. That's another thing Cornette always likes to say. That that's the cross that Mick Foley will have to bear the rest of his life. That as brilliant as he is and all the great work that he's done. He himself and maybe Terry Funk as well together. Are responsible for this whole garbage wrestling fucking run that's been going on ever since they started doing it. And everybody else started doing it in their backyards and never stopped doing it in their backyards. I like deathmatch wrestling. I think it can be done right. And and I think that's been shown by the mainstreamization. Is that a word? Mainstreamization of deathmatch wrestling with the Chris Jericho match on AEW Dynamite. And, of course, Matt Cardona doing it as well. David Arquette doing one. Uh, Nick Gage is in, he's the common denominator in all this. Nick Gage is the guy that you go to if you're going to have, if you're that guy and you got a big angle where you want to bring in a death match, right? And, and Nick Gage is your go-to guy. Chris Jericho, I remember Jericho saying that MJF was the one actually who was, uh, pretty adamant about bringing in Nick Gage to do that, uh, death match with Jericho. So MJF, uh, also loyal to his buddies back on the indies as well. He actually worked with Nick Gage. There's a video on YouTube, MJF versus Nick Gage. So Nick Gage is a pretty prominent indie guy, despite, you know, the whole bank addicted drug robber thing. 
Uh, he's he's pretty well respected on the indies. Thunder Rosa had nothing but kind things to say about him while he was on the show with her. Um, I just think it's a it's a it's an acquired taste, right? Like it's like you know people that say that horror movies aren't real movies. That ain't real movies. That's just torture porn and that's just garbage. It's garbage movies. You know what I mean? That's with all the top, you know, like if you ask a Siskel and Ebert what they thought about any horror movie in the 80s and 90s. It's garbage. It's absolute garbage. It's trash. It's bad for our kids. Come on, man. It's punk rock. It's it's punk rock. It's alternative. It's horror. It's it's just, you know, it's that aisle way in the back at the video store with the with the b-movie tapes that's what deathmatch wrestling is but it has its place in professional wrestling and i have nothing but respect for nick gage and you really should too or he's gonna come to your house and stab you in the face with a light tube solo sokoa the newest ooze the noose ooze right the newest ooze in the bloodline, the youngest brother. He was on Rosenberg Radio. Had a good little sit-down interview with Peter, about a half hour. Talked about growing up in the household with his daddy, Rikishi, Uncle Yokozuna, and Umaga. His brothers, the Usos, and of course his cousin, Roman Reigns. And what it's like working with them in the bloodline. He said he's only really been in the business for three years, like from trained out the door, three years. And he is on the main roster now, working in the main event storylines. Ridiculous. He still seems very camera shy, though. Like he's not, uh, he doesn't, he's, same thing with Braun Breaker, I've noticed with his interviews. Like they just seem a little shy, a little cold. They're not as charismatic and i think it's just because they're new and they're not used to being a personality yet or being out there and being so uh you know out there i guess you know it's just he just seemed a little bit closed off seemed like peter had to work a little bit more to get a good interview out of him uh but there were some good little tidbits in this interview including uh, the fact that Solo has not even seen his cousin Roman in 10 years. Check out this clip. So, yeah, how close were you guys as kids? Man, you know, seeing uh, Roman at Cardiff, I haven't seen him for like over 20 years. But I haven't, you know, we really weren't close, but he was always, he was always around at our house playing with my brothers. You know, because they were the same age, and I was way, way younger than them. But he was over. He was always, always around our house. But I think now coming into the business, you know, I'm starting to get close with him. You know, even though the age gap is there, I'm really starting to get close with him, man. Because I mean, it's big goose Roman Reigns. You know what I'm saying? He's been running this game for a while now, and so you know, I'm, I'm starting to form that relationship with him. This family's bloodline is fucking unreal. It's unmatched. There is no wrestling family. I don't care if it's the Hearts. I don't care if it's Paige's fucking family. I don't care if it's the Von Eriks. It doesn't matter who it is. The Andersons, all the made-up Andersons, all of them. The Dudleys, even. You combine all the <clears throat> all of the wrestling families. Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold here. 
you add all of them up and none of them compared to the dynasty of the Samoan dynasty. This shit is unreal. And it's not just like, oh, hey, uh, you know, we're in the business, so we'll get our, get you a job. You know what I mean? You suck. You don't deserve it. You won't have earned it on your own. And it's nepotism. That is not the case. Every single one of these guys are just beasts. All in their own way. Now, Solo Sokoa needs a little bit more developing, in my opinion. You know what I mean? But there's Jacob Fatu. He's out there, too. He's killing it. He doesn't suck. He's a huge name out there on the indies right now. You got Yokozuna. You got Umaga. You got The Rock. So many talents. The Head Shrinkers. The, like the original, uh, the Wild Samoans. All of these great Samoan characters coming out of this dynasty, all the way up to Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn even. Come on. It's just, it's unreal. For real, though. This bloodline is sick. It's fucking sick. Um, I think we need to see The Rock and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and it'll be fun. Can you imagine a guy like Solo Sokoa getting, like, a spot at WrestleMania where, like, Roman's down and the Usos hit the ring and they get fucking slapped by The Rock. You know, each of them take a, a bump and then powder out. And then Solo gets in the ring. And there's just that moment at a WrestleMania where he's staring down The Rock and then he gets bumped out of the ring as well. It could happen. We already had fucking Eric Rowan had a match at WrestleMania with the rock so you can't tell me you know what a moment that would be for a young solo sokoa um in my opinion he's got a long ways to go though he ain't there yet but i get <clears throat> i'm fine with him being brought up to the main roster because he fits the storyline right the bloodline's a thing and he fits right in with the bloodline why would you not have him in the bloodline um, but, you know, if he can develop just being around them <clears throat> and working in that faction, great. If he can't, <clears throat> then when the bloodline runs its course at some point, he might have to go back to NXT for a little bit. But I'm excited to see what he's got to bring. I mean, you know, if the family's any indication, you know, he's got a big future in the WWE if he wants it. That's it, y'all. We made it through. I made it through in one piece. Coughed a little bit here and there. Um, <clears throat> but I made it further than I thought I would, recovering from this cold. My throat's been sore. It's just been a bunch of bullshit. Uh, there's been some other things I wanted to record this week that I just haven't had the chance to because I've been, I couldn't. I've been sick. Sicker than a dog. So I'm going to try to pound a lot of it out. This weekend, if I can, try to get caught up on putting out a lot of content out there. Because I love doing it. I love putting out the content. I got my reactions. Check those out right here on the same channel. I'm sure there's some great stuff in there that you would enjoy. Reacting to movie trailers, TV show trailers, music videos, and other just random shit. Got some wrestling stuff on there. Go check that shit out. Got a book out, The Gathering, 
a bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld. I have the first chapter available here on this channel as well, the audiobook version. So you can listen to the entire first chapter. And in my opinion, it's kind of like a microcosm for the whole book. So if you listen to the whole first chapter, you're going to have a pretty good feel of what the book will be like. And if you like it or not, I think you'll love it. It's funny. It's laugh out loud. It's good shit. Also, I have pro wrestling inspired NFTs. That's at CryptomaniaNFTs.com. And you can check those out on Rarible. Links down below. Mashing up championship belts with all the top cryptocurrencies. Like, follow, and subscribe at Seth Grimes Media. TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter if you're on any of those. Subscribe here on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast, hop on over to YouTube. I am in video format. I am not a pretty man. I am not going to be handsome to look at on the eyes. But you will be able to see me in video form if you'd like to hop on over and do that. And that's all I got for you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Episode 57, Down the Drain, creeping up on my favorite holiday of the year. I've been watching tons of horror movies. Dude, I went and saw Terrifier 2. I got a non-spoiler review up, actually, of that here on the channel. Um, I was hoping to do a spoiler review as well. I just couldn't my, couldn't talk long enough. My throat was really sore. It's just been a rough week with this cold. Um, <clears throat> but if you are a horror movie fan, I'm going to see, as I record this, I have tickets to go see Halloween Ends tomorrow. I've heard interesting things, so uh, I'll probably do a review about that too. But where are my horror fans at? I have horror movie fans in the house. Um, what do you guys think? Did you see Terrifier 2? Um, do you have any interest in it? Did you like the first one? You, you, what about Halloween Ends? Let's talk about some of that shit. Throw that down in the comments. Let me know that you stuck around to the end, you know? Um, that's all I got for you. Thanks for hanging out. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes, and this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast podcast see i went easy on it that time so i didn't blow out my voice because i'd like to do some reaction recordings after this if i can i'm gonna go eat more of that pizza though get those pepperonis in me for for strength <laughs>
The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit. Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld.